everyone, and welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Pearlie, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is Rohan Merchandani, co-founder and CEO of Indian dairy and plant-based dairy firm Epigamia on a mission to contemporize the local dairy industry. So hello, Rohan. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. So wonderful to be on and thanks for inviting me. Very nice to have you here indeed. And I'd like to just start off by understanding Epigamia's mission a little bit better. So when we last spoke, uh, we were talking about how you want to contemporize the local dairy industry in India. So I'd like to know like, what drove this line of thought for you and why did you feel that such a traditional industry in India needs modernizing in the first place? Ah, yes, the, the billion-dollar question, of course. <laughs> um, I, so, you know, Pearlie, I don't think the question is what. I think what is the wrong question. I think the question is who. And what I mean by that is, you know, this, this story, the story of Epigamia, the story of what we do um, is the story of the Indian consumer. Um, mm-hmm. It's the story of the modern Indian consumer, um, you know, which, which has evolved in, in such a rapid pace in the last, uh, 10 to 15 years, and for that matter, in the last five to seven years. Um, it's one of the most youthful populations in the world. It is one of the largest digitally connected populations in the world. Uh, and when we look at this, when I say who, and you know, when, when the question was what drove sort of our thinking, um, the, 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 the thought process here is the, the brands that existed uh, for you know, the modern Indian consumers, parents and grandparents, and, you know, there are some brands that exist, um, it's an unorganized sector, and, and those brands are, are great. They, they add a lot of, um, you know, value from, a, you know, from a, um, a different perspective, from a historical perspective. Um, but our sort of place, and that's why I say who, when we say we're, we're contemporizing a traditional industry, is to take it into the modern sphere. Um, and, you know, crossing the sort of chasm of, of what it means to be, um, a, you know, in India for the globe and, and also... Uh, mm. India of the future. Along those lines, I recall there's something of a story behind Epigamia's name relating to this melding of cultures, contemporization. Could you refresh my memory on that also for the benefit of our listeners, of course? We go back to our history books. Um, we go back to our history books, you know, 400, 500 BC. Um, there was, um, you know, the great Greek uh, Macedonian Empire, Alexander the mm. Great. Um, so Alexander the Great and his and his armies had you know conquered Europe and had started spreading across Asia, uh, modern day Persia, Afghanistan, and had reached the Indian side. And this led to um, what is the first ever documented conflict between Eastern and Western civilization, and there was a war. Um, unfortunately, the history books on either side give different stories. We don't know what happened mm. in 500 BC, but the the Western sort of history books tell us that the armies you know sort of got tired and came back. And then, of course, the Indian history books give us a little different account, saying that the Indian side won the war. We, we'll never know what happened, <laughs> but what we do know, what we do know, is that it it led to the first um, ever documented peace treaty um, between mm. Eastern and Western civilization. And the peace treaty was predicated on an ancient Indi- uh, Greek word named epigamia, and epigamia mm. actually stood for um, the right to marry. And what it meant um, in this context was a marriage of two civilizations. Because think about it, back then they didn't have, they didn't know what peace meant, right? It was either my mm. empire or your empire. When we look at what we are doing today uh, in India, um, the, um, the the idea of 
um, taking the, the best of the whole world, you know, taking the best. It's not just about, it's not about India within India. It's India in, in its global place, right? The best mm. of civilizations. Um, and that's what we mean by contemporizing. And one of our missions is to also sort of demonstrate that we have some of the best quality products being made in India. It doesn't have to be imported. Uh, when it comes down to this contemporization idea, within the Indian dairy industry, have you seen any like resistance to this idea? What are the main challenges you have faced when trying to make this a reality? I think, like I said, for us, it's not about replacing, it's about adding, right? Um, mm. and, and, and when we look at it, um, this, like I said, this is when we look at the modern youth, this is, the, you know, we are their brand. Um, you know, we are mm -hmm. their brand, whereas another brand which has been around for, which may be, you know, doing notions of nostalgia or history are, are more, you know, their parents or grandparents brands. And that's how we look at it. It's about mm -hmm. this sort of new age, you know, you're, you know, um, the, the, the Netflix culture, the hot star culture, mm -hmm. you know, with everything that's happening, um, you know, you, you don't watch the same shows that your parents watch or your grandparents watch. Although <laughs> in the 80s and 90s, you had no option because there were very limited choices. Yeah. Um, so not not that different from what we're trying to do is is we're trying to you know add choices and options. Understandably, traditional dairy is generally not too fond of plant based. You know, as has been seen in many places around the world, not just India. But I know Epigamia not only produces traditional dairy products, but also plant based ones like your coconut yogurt. So, what has your experience been like? You know, handling the marketing, the sales of two products from categories that feel like they are sort of at odds you know have you seen any conflicts or contradictions when trying to do this along the way yeah great great question uh pearly and and you know it's it's what you just asked is sort of today what we are trying to you know sort of portray as our brand proposition and what i mean mm -hmm. by that is we not only believe that it's not contradictory we just believe that um both um you know need to coexist in fact we are if you look at our tagline, the tagline of Epigamia is your happy balance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, in, 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 in the world today, whether it's food or, or politics or sports, <laughs> um, everything tends to be very activist thinking, you know, mm -hmm. extreme thinking. And our sort of, our, our thesis is, can we just unwind that and sort of just chill out for a minute, right? Um, <laughs> you know, we're, 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 we're not, so we are not taking any positions on dairy being good or bad for you or plant-based being good or bad mm -hmm. for you that is not our position and and nor will mm -hmm. it ever be you know even though we've been it's funny it, it's 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 you know it's a, it's a it's it's a little um sensitive for us when we talk about this because mm -hmm. we've had um traditional dairy in india speak out speak out against us because they look at us as the plant mm. plant-based guys and then we've had the plant-based activists speak out <laughs> against us because they think we're still the dairy guys oh, and my. you know we're like wait you know so we're, we're not this um, activist brand. That's not who we are. We're, we're advocates. We're advocates for choice. We're advocates for healthy eating. And we believe it's not our job to force anything down the consumer's throat. We believe mm -hmm. it's our job to deliver very nutritious, healthy options and let the consumer decide what they think is the right way to go about it. You know, so it, it goes both ways. And, and, and I think um, not only do we see this as a contradiction, we believe it's where our brand is anchored today. Uh, mm. We're on the cusp of that. Um, and, and we actually want to be advocates for this. Um, you know, and it's a very, mm -hmm. I think it's a very different positioning from what most mm. brands in the world have gone after. Um, yeah. But we genuinely and truly believe that's what, that's what we stand for. We're, we're all about the balance. 
how has the communication about this gone? You know, like you 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 did mention like you know the plant based guys come after you for yeah. being dairy, and the dairy guys come after you for being plant based. How has the communication gone? You know, in 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 this regard, have have you do you think you've made any progress in terms of paving a way to the both sides peacefully coexisting <laughs> essentially? Yeah, it's, it, and you know it's a it's it's a great question because you know we sort of we've stuck to our 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 norm about contemporizing tradition like mm-hmm. that, that and and if you look at it uh, when you just when you, you take that terminology contemporizing a traditional dairy industry it for us it means there's massive coexistence um you know mm-hmm. um we at, the challenge we have is either side takes it on as something different um <laughs> you know they 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 look at contemporizing dairy as saying oh it's still dairy and then mm-hmm. the other side looks at contemporizing, saying, "Oh, they're going against dairy," <laughs> and and it, it, it's a great question because you know we have, um, I'd say three, you know, three cohort of consumers. You've got consumers who will um, stick just to the dairy products because they don't mm-hmm. see the value proposition in plant based, and we have no problem with that. We're you know mm-hmm. that's your decision. You know, it's it's all you've done your research. It's your mature adults. On the flip side, we have plant based consumers who don't eat our dairy products, and we're again very okay with that. We have no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, we we respect your decision, your choice, and then we have you know the smaller cohort actually, the smallest cohort, but it exists who I think are our real sort of brand ambassadors that actually mm. you know consume both. But that's sort of how we are trying to continue to position, mm-hmm. and I think we're probably going to have to do a little bit more as this as this conversation sparks more and more debate in the country. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have to almost be the peace mediators in between. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good position, I guess, in a sense. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a difficult one, but also a good one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, all right, we'll um, shift focus a little bit now. On, I want to talk a little bit more about the entrepreneurial part of this podcast. So, yeah, you did mention to me earlier, you know, you have both Western and Indian culture ingrained in you. I'd like to find out, you know, how did these experiences shape your journey to where you are and, you know, what you're doing now? So, you know, for me, um, you know, growing up in the United States um, as a kid, you know, going to elementary school and, and spending pretty much my entire childhood here um, and then, you know, sort of visiting India, um, it was always nice because it was more sort of, you know, vacations or, or, or attending celebrations or weddings. But for me to sort of um, work in India as a professional was something that was, that was you know, I guess the, the best way to describe it is insane um, because, you know, Culturally, at least, you know, I, I had grown up in the United States. What's been sort of exciting is to see, um, you know, India as a country, you know, come on the global map uh, in the last mm-hmm. 15, 20 years. Um, Indian Americans as a, as a demographic come alive in the United States in the last 15, mm-hmm. 20 years. I mean, to the extent where now we have a, um, you know, a, a vice president who most likely uh, is, is half, half Indian. And that's, that's super exciting. Um, but and, and the reason I say that is it's it's I actually consider myself and I consider Epigamia as, a, as an extension. And, and you know, I've obviously and the team for that matter, um, the modern sort of team that we have, the, the, the contemporary team, um, Indian in their DNA, but very, very global. Right. And, and, and it's sort of um, exciting for me as an entrepreneur because, you know, it's sort of bringing alive my personal story, yet also, um, you know, the passion and the mission that the company and the brand have. Yeah, so we spoke a little bit just now about, you know, the challenges you face trying to contemporize Indian dairy as a whole. But um, now I'd also like to find out more about your own per- personal and professional challenges in entering the industry. Like, are there any in particular you, you can highlight? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, there's not any, I don't think would be the right question. There are probably, a, there are a million, uh, probably, <laughs> <laughs> and they continue till date after 
uh, which I'll probably be on calls later today. But I think I think what um, I'll start off in a different. I'll answer the question differently. I'll give it in two parts. One is sort of my own personal approach, um, mm -hmm. which I, I would actually, for no better word, I think naive is probably the best way to approach <laughs> it. You know, when when I when I entered this this market, um, you know, so I, I came from a, a a little bit of a finance background and then a family business in the United States and logistics and warehousing. Sort of, I, you know, started this professional career at the in 2013, seven years ago, as an entrepreneur, um, and decided after business school to, to move out there. Uh, again, having no experience whatsoever, A, in the country, and B, um, in the industry. And I think what ended up being sort of just good luck for, for, for me and for the company is sort of um, being naive as to what the challenges were, because the expectation was, um, oh, this is how it is. You know, um, mm. So problems didn't become problems. Problems were seen as, this is what needs to be done. You know, it's it's not a, a oh my god, how did this happen or why did this happen? It just became the usual you know daily routine of mm -hmm. of addressing these these challenges. And and I you know I joke with a lot of my friends who are in CPG, FMCG, and you know they 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 still think it's insanity what we're doing. But um, <laughs> you know and, and you know I think that the idea I'm trying to drive is we we came with no preconceived notions. The 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 clear sort of clear challenge was was building out from scratch this. You know, cold chain. So not mm. only were we coming up with this new brand, which was already a crazy proposition, now you're trying to enter a space which is short shelf life, cold mm. chain in a very hot country, um, and also where you've got large distribution. And this is prior to COVID. Of course, COVID has changed things, but still, it's still very much there. A lot of mom and pop Kirana shops, which mm -hmm. you know, at the, at the evening, just to save on electricity costs, and I don't blame them because they have to run a business, may just turn the refrigerator off. And then come back in the morning and turn it back on, and these were just you know you know gaulish challenges. These were nightmares. Um, mm. But you know rather than sort of take the tradition, you know sort of I think the experienced approach would have been let's go find you know the best distributors and let's structure this and if it you know model it out. And we just said you know you know what let's just build our own distribution. And mm. <laughs> so today you know we have one of the largest independent private cold chain mm. institutions um, you know um, in a Mumbai or a Delhi. And, you know, one of the top in a Bangalore solely because we decided to be crazy and build our own distribution <laughs> rather than, you know, because we, we no distributor would take us. You know, a distributor mm. would say, oh, we've never, we've never heard of you. We only carry the big brands. Um, mm. You know, uh, I've never seen a TV ad before. And it's like, yeah, well, you haven't because we don't we don't have the money for it. We're a startup. Um, and, you know, we're just starting up. And I think that's what, you know, was 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 a massive challenge. You know, I, I, for me, mm. I think the, the, to answer your question, the biggest pain point was building distribution. How did you cope with all of this? And, you know, what has motivated you to keep going despite all the massive challenges and hurdles in front of you? Number one, you know, there's an opportunity in, you know, to sort of build something that could stand the test of time, which is build a consumer mm -hmm. brand. Um, way beyond my time on planet Earth, and maybe something you know, grandkids and great grandkids could be proud of. And the second point, which is very close to the first point, has also been um, you know uh, the team, um, the team sort of rallying. Um, I think they are the ones that really make me you know motivated, and they inspire me more than I inspire them. Um, how you know we've got so many folks that you know could probably be getting some much healthier salaries. In other jobs, <laughs> they're just so inspired, and they've come for you know some ESOPs for equity. But it's not that they just they're just on a mission to create something mm. you know amazing. And then finally, I think the third piece is, is is my is my family. I think you know, and again, that ties to the first point is sort of I don't know if legacy is the right word, but just sort of you know sort of you know when when I'm when I'm a grandfather, uh, you know, being able to say look, you know we we had this I had this opportunity that was amazing, and the family supported me, and and I and I did something with it. 
And I think mm -hmm. that, because let me tell you, it's it's still not easy. It's been a pain. <laughs> it's been a massive pain for them. I think they probably, you know, uh, put up with the most nonsense from me. <laughs> they continue <laughs> to. Uh, but uh, I think without them and without the team, you know, I think, I, and those, for those two reasons, I mean, I think I, I absolutely adore and love what I do. Um, during this sort of COVID crisis, I am in New York and I'm working. I know working from home on Indian hours, and everyone says, you know, how do you do it? And I said, I enjoy every minute of it. Is there anything you wish you had known when you started out in the beginning, and anything you might have changed? Many things. I mean, thousands <laughs> of things. I think um, you know, first and foremost, uh, obviously, we've already brought this up, but you know, distribution mm. being oh. being something. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I think uh, you know, as entrepreneurs, we tend to let passion drive everything we do. Mm. Um, and I'm saying that as, as, a, as, a, as a guilty hypocrite because I continue to do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think, I think um, you know, and then there's this approach where you go very sort of data science driven in everything you do, right? Mm. And I think, again, similar to what we talked about, I think I have to preach to myself that the happy balance needs to be found. That being said, I'm very much against the paralysis by analysis. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, you have to think fast, move fast, um, mm. But, but you know, I think now that we have data available, especially for consumer brands, you know, and, and I don't think any consumer brand today will not have a digital strategy, at least a, at least some portion of your revenue will come from direct to consumer or you'll, mm -hmm. or you'll start there or it'll be part of your marketing strategy. But, you know, just making sure that you sort of make the most of that data. Um, so I think if I was to go back, uh, you know, just certain decisions that we took, whether it came to a go to market strategy or the way we structured our margins or the way we structured our promotions. Uh, the way people built out our culture and distribution, I think a lot of these, um, you know, had, had we just not done whimsical gut, best, you know, <laughs> gut feel, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, that being said, I still think 60-70% still needs to be that. But, you know, mm -hmm. I add the happy balance of some data, especially now that it's available. Any advice for those out there who might be wanting to also go down this entrepreneurship path that you have? I've got a bunch of entrepreneurs that reach out for help, um, you know, mentorship. I don't know what they're thinking, mm. but happy to provide my, my two cents. <laughs> uh, um, but, but I think, you know, my, my biggest thing to any entrepreneur today is um, this is not an easy journey. Um, this is something that will consume you. So be ready for it. There is no fast path to success. Um, and this is something if you are not passionate about or, or you intend to, you know, um, make quick money off of, just just don't do it. If you are one of those folks that is stuck in paralysis by analysis, that is constantly mm -hmm. contemplating, should I, should I not, should I, should I not, don't. Mm -hmm. That means you've already reached that, that mark. Don't do it. And um, for entrepreneurs that you know, are sort of just started exploring that, if you have that passion and conviction, do it. Um, you know, just, just, just this is not, it's, it's, it's a band-aid. Just, you know, if you have that nice fancy job or you're on the sideline, just rip the bandaid. Don't try mm -hmm. to ease into this. Don't try to say, I'm going to do this part-time while working. You're not going to do any justice to the, to the business, the entrepreneurial venture, or yourself. All right. Very cool. So, yes, thank you so much, Rohan. This was a very good conversation. So, thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time speaking to you. Likewise, Pearlie. It was a pleasure, and thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much, and thank you everyone for listening to this podcast as well. And I wish everyone a great day ahead. For Kuna Asia, this is Pearly, signing out.